0: Well, good morning Garrisonville campus, good morning Colonial Forge over there at Courthouse campus and to those watching online. Hey listen, I invited Susan and Andrew up here today because I felt like we needed to kind of change things up a little bit today. We've been in this series called 41 one more talking about inviting people to come and experience not just Jesus but to come and experience community in a church. And, and as I thought about that, oftentimes I know you hear me preach or whoever's preaching from the stage invites you to do something, and you maybe wonder, do you do this? Are you willing to do what you're asking people to do? And so I want to put my team on the spot today and ask them, how are you guys in regards to home groups? So, do you guys got a home group?
1: Well, I'm, I'm only in a, in a small group because Pastor Todd makes us, uh, since we're on staff, so that's all he's on there. That's not um, what you're supposed to be saying right now. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I really love being in a, in a life group. And um, I really do. In fact, um, when my wife and I, you know, we've been on staff now for about two years. And uh, one of the first things that we did when we came here to Stafford, when we joined at Mount Ararat, was that we started slash joined a life group. And it was our very first connection with community here in Stafford County. It was our introduction to people who, who lived here. Um, and they were also the people who, who loved on us the most during our, our, first, our first couple of years here. In fact, just last year, we actually dedicated our youngest child. His name is Lucas. And, um, and it was a time where our family members couldn't make because they lived far away. But during that dedication that we had here at Mount Ararat, you know, we loved the fact that all around us that Surrounding us with prayer, being there for this moment, praying for our youngest Lucas was our life group. And in fact, I can remember after we were done that day that my wife was just in tears about how grateful she was for these people that we didn't even know a year ago that are now standing with us and standing in the gap and praying for our youngest child. And then even in recent history, too, um, I started a men's life group. And I remember when I first started this, I was thinking, you know, they ain't no way in the world a bunch of dudes are going to sit around <laughs> talking about their feelings and stuff like that. They're not going to want to do it. Um, but over the, the past couple of weeks as we started this men's life group, and we've seen just uh, great confession in that group and great encouragement in that group. And there's something about when you have these group of guys Where men don't live in isolation, but instead they see that, "Hey, you're going through the same thing I am," and there's something really encouraging about that. That's good. That's good. What about you, Susan? Um,
2: We we are in a life group when we first got here uh, many moons ago, and um, our life group actually is the one that walked the road. I just spit on you. I'm so sorry. Um,
1: (laughs) Baptism. (laughs) I know. Sorry, baptism.
2: Um, Our life group actually uh, walked the adoption road with us, and they were the ones that encouraged us to adopt. We did a study together, and um, they were the first people to welcome our kids onto American soil, and um, that life group meant the world to us. And uh, we're in a life group now that um, I love that our kids love it. Um, It's an adult group, but all the kids come and they play in the basement while we're having our study. And on Monday mornings, if I wake up and I'm tired and I don't want to go, my youngest daughter, she's like, Mom. It's home group. You need to suck it up. Like, we're going to home group tonight. And so she, lo- I just said suck it up. I'm so sorry. Um, what's happening? I spit and then I say this. I'm so sorry. Um, but my daughters adore home group. They adore it. And so, yeah, we love home group, that's Pastor good, that's
0: good. Hey, let's make sure we don't upload this service, okay? Just... Third service, third service. Now listen, it is good to have you guys back. I know last weekend, Susan, you were with our middle school team that went and did Camp Watermark. Powerful, powerful weekend. Hey, high schoolers in the room and also parents of high schoolers, don't miss Camp Watermark here in a few weeks. Uh, Ben Palka is the speaker this year and did an amazing job. And I love to tell you we got some good news. We actually found a youth pastor. Yeah. (laughs) I'd love to share more details, but I can't because the internet's real, and if I tell you before he announces to his church, that could get a lot of stuff in a mess. So I'll share more details coming soon, but we have been praying and believing. It's been a year, and we're finally there, and I just tell you, parents, you're, you're in for a great blessing as we move ahead and then pastor andrew it's good to have you back i know you just celebrated 10 years of marriage and got to do a cruise
1: oh yeah yeah i gained um i gained about 15 pounds on those cruises. they've they force feed you and i also got a sweet tan too i'm brown on every side now so (laughs) what is happening (laughs) this is
0: why i invited them up here today surprise no, listen, listen, listen. This invitation into community is not an easy invitation. Matter of fact, I think it's actually gotten more challenging because of the days that we find ourselves in, the world that we find ourselves in, I think we're a lot more afraid to be in relationship because that's where it gets a little bit too comfortable, a little bit too real, and we're afraid of what it might uncover in us or it might uncover in someone else. I, you know, these recent years, I've never felt such division that we're feeling right now in our country and there's like all this this polarization and sometimes we can say it's politics but but in all of it it's raising up this feeling of who's like me and who's not like me and I think sometimes that's the push against us of why many of us say I can't go there I can't get into a group I can't get that close because I might find something out that will be disappointing about someone else Today we're going to be in a passage of scripture, I'd ask you to turn there with me, John chapter 4, and we're going to talk about a very familiar story about Jesus meeting a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. And I know you've heard this story, but today I want to expand the conversation to have this team up here with me as we kind of walk through this, the pages of this story together. Now, when I think about who's maybe sitting here at Garrisonville, or who's maybe over at Courthouse today, or who... Today, of all days, opened up their laptop and they're watching online or on their phone. Right now, today, I want to talk about the one. The one that this message maybe can appeal to and invite into. I thought about the one, thinking about this, this woman at the, at the well, and, and I thought about the one that's maybe this week going to go back to school, and you're, you sit alone at lunch. Yeah, the cafeteria is full of people, but you sit at a place, you sit in a space where you feel totally alone. Maybe this is for you today. Or maybe you go to work and the busyness of your work, everybody goes out maybe at lunchtime and you're the one that stays back. But but who is the one maybe that sits alone and feels even alone even at work? Maybe this is today is for you. And then when I lean in a little bit more, I think about even this tension of life and we just came through a homecoming season. Who's the one that maybe didn't get asked to go to the dance? Or who's the one that maybe just recently didn't make the team? And it's like, man, how did this not work out for me? And now I'm the one, I'm the lone one that's not a part. Or I think about social media and how we look at Instagram posts and we get to see all of our friends all out doing something and we're home alone uninvited it's like how did we miss that how do we not get invited to that and then as I think about the one who could be sitting among us today and even though we're in a crowded space today you come to a church but you've not really yet connected or maybe you're here and you just moved once again to another place and you've not yet truly made friends yet and you just feel that aloneness or maybe you're here today and you're, you're battling something like cancer and that battle in itself makes you feel so isolated, so alone. Could, could that maybe be your story today? And then from just the relationships in this room, the family dynamic, I'm wondering maybe who's here today that's just experienced a breakup? Who's here today and you just just discovered the affair could you be the one that God wants to maybe speak some healing to, some hope to in this moment? Or maybe you're here today and you're single now because of a divorce and you're wondering what it's like to, to be living right now feeling alone and being maybe that one. Or maybe you're in a marriage and yet your spouse feels miles and miles away yet you sleep in the same bed every night but it, just feels, it feels so far apart. Or maybe you're the one that sleeps alone in the bed now because you've been widowed and you feel that friend has, is not there anymore. But who's the one today? Who's the one that maybe God could speak to in this moment? Because you know what I know? It's easy to feel distant. It's easy to feel alone. It's easy to even feel like we're lost. And, and I'm wondering today how God could leverage His holy word today to say something to you to help you to know that He's here and He's that he cares for you you know when I think about this woman at the well uh, I've titled today the message the water cooler and and I thought about this theme and I thought maybe you're the one or maybe you know the one that needs to hear this word today how could God use us in all of this you see the water cooler is kind of like a metaphor it's that place at work that everybody kind of rallies around or at school or maybe even at the home where everybody gathers to talk and to connect. And my question to you today, are you the one that goes there to gather and talk to? Or have you found yourself where you're the one that says, I can't even go there. I don't even want to go there to be around people like that. That's where we're going to be in John chapter 4. Andrew, why don't you start by reading this story with us?
1: All right, if you have a Bible or Bible app, turn to John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. And it says this, it says, now he, talking about Jesus, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food.
2: Here's why this is significant that the woman went to the well at noon alone. Because she didn't choose to go in the cool of the morning or in the cool of the evening when the rest of the women went. She went in the middle of the day by herself. She chose to be isolated. And I think women, we can lean into this a little bit because I think sometimes we choose to isolate ourselves from people. In a culture that says that we are the most connected we have ever been, sometimes we are the least connected from relationships, and we choose to completely isolate ourselves. We see the best in other people's lives, and we wonder why is our our own life not like that. And so I think in that part of it, sometimes, ladies, we can relate to that because we do choose to isolate ourselves, step back, and we understand what it might mean to go to the well alone at noon.
1: You know, I don't think men are, are any different. I think oftentimes men actually do choose to isolate themselves. And, um, and for whatever reason, I think a lot of times if you you heard to ask a guy, you know, who's your, who's your best friend, that person you're really sharing life with and they know, like, everything about you. A lot of times um, men, you know, say, well, I don't really need a buddy. You know, I'm, I'm good on my own. Uh, But oftentimes when men choose to isolate themselves, um, as well, you always say, Pastor Todd, a lot of times when we choose to isolate ourselves, we actually find ourselves in trouble. or We find ourselves one step away from stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's something about, and maybe maybe it comes from fear of competition. uh, Maybe it comes from fear of of people knowing who we we really are. but, But men choose to isolate themselves. But, and we act like we have it all together too. And, and if we're being honest, men, come on, we don't, we don't have it all together. In fact, there's probably not much we, we really do know. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is when we end up in good community, good godly community, and we choose to move away from isolation, and that's when we really live our lives to the fullest the way that God intended us to live as men. That's good, that's good. Susan, why don't you read more about this conversation that happens at the well?
2: Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water.
0: It's good. That's good. I don't know if you listen to this, but they're talking about water. And just like last week, when Jesus was talking to that religious man, Nicodemus, remember? They were talking about a new birth. What Jesus was talking about it was the same subject, yet Nicodemus was talking about physical birth. And Jesus was talking about what? Spiritual birth. Well, today we go from the religious person to now the irreligious Samaritan woman. Are you picking up on what John's writing here? And in the same conversation, they're talking about water. She's talking about physical water. Come on, give me that water so I never have to come to this public place and get water and have to run into people and have to see people I don't want to see and hear them gossip about me. Give me that water so I don't ever have to come here again. She's thinking physical, but Jesus is thinking and saying what? Spiritual. I want to talk about what you're really thirsty for. Come on, we're all thirsty, aren't we? We're all thirsty. It's just how are we filling ourselves With it, Now, what I want us to look at right now in this this day is on your note sheet there, I want to look at this passage and I want to look at five barriers that could keep us from connecting with others. Connecting with God, but also connecting with one another in relationship. And as we look at these barriers here in this passage, I'm wondering if we could actually relate to these barriers a couple thousand years removed from this very story. So, the first barrier, number one on your list, write it down, it's the specific part of the story. It's geography. It's geography. When you actually look at the map, it's interesting that John the writer said Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, what makes that interesting is that Jewish people literally would travel. Hundreds of miles out of the way so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. We're going to talk more about the people of Samaria and why Jews had a hate for them in a moment. But before we do, I want you to see the geography here. I should have put a map up there. It was my fault. But a map of this area, they could have went by the coastline. They could have went another route over the Jordan over Perea. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. We are going to go through Now, it is the shortest route, but he says we're going to go through. And I'm wondering, what is God trying to tell us when he shows his chosen people having to go through a place called Samaria? Now, the closest I could get for us to maybe apply this today, I thought about our geography. Many of us didn't choose to end up here in northern Virginia. Can I get a witness, right? (laughs) But yet we're here. We're here and we had to figure out where we're going to live. we got to figure out how we can afford to live. And I'm wondering, as you were evaluating and surveying this area, as if you looked at certain neighborhoods, certain subdivisions, and you, th- you said, oh, 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 no, I'm not. We, we're not. We are not living there. If there's neighborhoods, even here, in affluent United States of America and Northern Virginia that you would look at with kind of a little bit different look and say, no, I I can't live there. I don't even want to go there. Are there neighborhoods that you avoid? Or worse yet, are there some neighbors you avoid, right? Right? Or just take it close, maybe it's not a neighborhood, maybe it's even at school, or there's some certain parts of school that you just kind of avoid certain halls in the school. Or maybe at work there's certain floors, or is there certain departments that you're like, oh, don't go over there. All they are is a bunch of this or a bunch of that, so we stay away. Is there some cubicles that you just steer clear from? Who is it that you're avoiding that maybe in this story God's saying, that's a barrier, it's time for you now to what? To go through to go through. So that's our first barrier. What, give me another barrier. Come on, Andrew.
1: All right, um, another barrier that we see here in this passage is the race barrier. And obviously that's the reason why I'm up here today. So. Um, <laughs>
0: that's so wrong. It's so awkward. So wrong.
1: But, um, but listen to what it says here again in verse nine. The Samaritan woman said to him, talking about Jesus, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And this little detail that John recorded is so important. because He says, for the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And you can almost feel the tension alone just in this one verse in this passage. So why the tension? And see, there was this this extreme tension between these two ethnic groups, the, the Jews and the Samaritans. And see, the Samaritans at one point they began intermarrying with the Assyrians. So the Jews no longer viewed them as Jewish people. And because they intermarried with the, with the Assyrians, the Jews viewed the Sumerians as unclean. They viewed them as people who had, who had, had viled the Jewish race. In fact, they even viewed them as half-breeds. In fact, a lot of times the Jewish people, because they view them as unclean, they view the Samaritan as, as, as unclean, they would to they wouldn't use the same facilities as a Samaritan would, which means they would to go to the same bathrooms that a Samaritan would go to. Not only that, but they wouldn't even eat after a Samaritan. In fact, one of the reasons why this woman is even so surprised that Jesus wants a drink from her, that he doesn't have his own buckets, because you just didn't do that. Because, because there was such division between these two ethnic groups, they, the Jews didn't want to have any association whatsoever with Samaritans. And in fact, one of the things that Jewish people used to pray during this time, they would even pray, Lord, do not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection. They were literally praying them out of heaven because there was such a great hate between the two groups.
0: Is that strong or what? I'm glad we don't struggle with racism anymore. There's no racism issues anymore all these years removed. You know, I kind of say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because there has felt something in these recent days that we haven't felt in decades. This idea of of hate, this idea of race. And race is not just black-white. Let's just get over that. It's really anything that we would look at another ethnic group and begin to look down on that at some level because of maybe not understanding, but we would look out on it as if we would want to position ourselves away from it. And I think this is a, a real reality that how as a church do we Address the barrier of race.
1: And I think, um, you know, even back then during the first century, I mean, this was a real barrier um, we see it between the Jews and Samaritans. But I think even now we have to ask ourselves the question is this a barrier in my life? Because just like you were saying, I think so many times um, a lot of us, and whether it's intentional or not, sometimes we may, even if we're just trying to make ourselves, Feel better. We may try to elevate who we are above somebody else, um, even if it's just looking at who they are um, as an as a ethnicity. But it's, it is important to ask the question, is this a barrier in my life? And I, I, heard a, I heard a church leader say this week that one of the ways that you can actually uh, see if this is a barrier in your life is to simply look at your phone. And to look at the last 10 people that you've either texted or have had a conversation with. And if you look at the last 10 people you've had a conversation with, and it's all the same type of people, its like white, 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 or black, 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 then this just might be a barrier in your life. If everyone that's in your circle, it looks exactly like you. Another way to, to see this might be a barrier would be to look and see who is it that you've actually invited in your home? How many Samaritans have you invited in your home in recent history? Do you even know a Samaritan? And, in fact, um, if you look at their, you know, we're talking about groups. If you look at the, the, the life group or the small group that you're a part of, does everyone look like you in that small group? There's something about that Jesus wants to show us here that even though the Jews themselves did not associate with Samaritans, Jesus shows us here that he values diversity. And, in fact, this is something I feel like God's even been working in my life even before I knew him. In fact, I'm a son of, of Jamaican immigrants We grew up in a a pretty poor, impoverished community in South Florida, and we also grew up in a predominantly black um, community in South Florida, and then I was in the engineering club in middle school, then I went to school in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, for college, and I married um, a white wife who has German roots, and we have three kids who all look like they could be from different Middle Eastern or even South American countries, and now in even more recent history, my wife and I were getting ready to adopt a little girl from India, so I just think God's just been really working this whole diversity thing in my life. That's good. And you know, and, and it really is true. mean, the Jews did not associate with Samaritans. That's the racial barrier. But Jesus shows us he had to go through Samaria. Jesus shows us that he values diversity. That's good.
2: Another um, barrier is gender, which is why I'm up here. Um <laughs> And so there's a significance of Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman. Um, Men were not permitted to speak to women without their husbands present. So this was a little odd um, that he would even approach her. And rabbis certainly did not speak to a woman that had her kind of reputation um, because there was shame on her. So that was a little odd. So when she asked the question, how can you ask me for a drink, she was taken off guard because she thought, my goodness, why is he even speaking to me? And in this conversation, you see that the woman is focused on the law, on the rules. Where Jesus, he was focused on the relationship. In this one conversation, Jesus jumped past her past, her shame, all the barriers of her gender, and he went straight to how to build a relationship with her. Um, Jesus broke through what is definitely was a patriarchal society because uh, women were not held in high esteem at all. They were viewed as property or possessions. And men, they made the rules and they created the culture. So she was very much taken off guard. Well, I look at this and I see what are some barriers, women, that we put up? And I think there's some that we put on our own selves. Um, I did not get married until I was 33, so I was single for a very long time. And I saw how there were barriers between married women and single women. Because with single women, no matter their age, we treat them like they're older youth. Does that make sense? And so instead of honoring them and seeing that their thoughts and their ideas are valuable, we kind of treat single people as that they're just an older version of a youth group. Whereas with married women, there's some barriers that happen there is you've got women that work, and then you've got women that stay at home with their families and work. And I think sometimes those two different groups, they side-eye each other. I'm a part of the group that works, and so sometimes I have stay-at-home moms side-eyeing me. Whereas some people that are in my group, we side-eye the stay-at-home moms. And these are unnecessary barriers. Because instead of honoring each other, we just allow the walls to go further and further and further up. Um, There's barriers within the church. Several years ago, I would not even have been up here. And truthfully, if we're speaking, some of you are quite nervous that I am up here. And so, I, sorry, just saying it. Um, Look at him. He just raised his hand. Did you see this?
0: You spit, and you said something inappropriate already. I didn't
2: say it. I know, right? It'll be the la- Let me just enjoy this, because this will clearly be the last time I'm up here. <laughs> oh, my heavens. I'm just teasing.
0: Oh, you're good. You're good.
2: <laughs> um, but I will say, as someone who grew up, I'm blushing. I'm sorry. Um As <laughs> someone too. who grew up. Did you just sing me too? What is happening?
1: We need to keep we going. Have, we have zero control time. up here right now.
2: <laughs> But I will say, as someone who grew up in a very, very conservative um, church, I love my home church. But there were hurdles and barriers that I had to jump over and that um, I think our culture with the global church has to jump over with women in ministry. And so that is a barrier, is gender.
0: That's good. Hey, number four on the list, this barrier is morals, is morals, uh, the sin in this woman's life. That's why I'm up here. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner and I needed a savior, but listen, in this idea of morals, if we look at the particular story here, this woman is not a, she's not a sinner because she's a woman. She's not a sinner because she's a Samaritan. She's not a sinner because she's been married multiple times. Matter of fact, in these days and ages, during those times of the Bible, famine, disease, Injury, uh, all kinds of things shorten people's lives. If a woman was a widow in that time, she either had to become a beggar or she had to become a prostitute or she had to what? Get remarried. And so the fact that she's been remarried a few times, that is not her issue. The issue is man number six that Jesus speaks about. Because now she's in a relationship where she's not married, but yet this man she's sleeping with. This man she's living with, and it's not her husband. Now, I think this is interesting because as Jesus begins to maybe turn the light on in this moment for her, I want you to see something here that he begins to do because he begins to lean in on her with some truth, but he also begins to give her some grace. Because where did Jesus meet this woman? He met her at the well. He met her right where she was, and he showed her, I care about you. I love this about how Jesus approaches sinful people, including the one, the Samaritan one, in this story. Because he shows uh, her that, guess what, I, I already know about you. I know your history. I know your mistakes. I know your current situation. And you know what? I'm standing here with you. I'm showing you that I can overcome even this moment that you think is insurmountable. I'm trying to show you that what you're really thirsty for, I can actually give to you, this living water that you crave. Now, when I think about this, I wonder how we oftentimes shy away because we don't understand the boundaries of God. God is not unloving because he's given us boundaries. Listen, this idea that this woman's living and sleeping with somebody that's not her husband, we don't talk a lot about that at church. But the Bible says that's not the way that God wants you to be living. The Bible calls that sin. I know we get uncomfortable when we say those things out loud, but listen, the fact that God puts in his word for us to honor the marriage bed, it's not because he's a God that's against us. He's a God that's for us, and he loves us enough to give us the truth, but also to give it to us with grace. When I look at this moment right here and I look at this this woman's struggle, I, I think about how Jesus is showing her that she matters, that even this boundary that she thinks is insurmountable, I can move past it. I wonder how many of us push away from people when they visibly are making mistakes in their life. They're hurt. Come on, their hang-up, their habit. We get in that place where we're like, man, their life's just way too messy. And we what? We separate back and we let that become a barrier. Jesus shows us that's not a barrier at all. Matter of fact, I want to care for you and show you that this is really about a relationship that you need. Now, as I think about this idea, I thought about two profound questions. Here's number one. Can we... Can we actually care for people that we don't agree with? Isn't that interesting? Are we capable of caring for someone that's maybe living a way that we don't agree with? Jesus shows us you can. And then the question is this. Do I care more about people or do I care more about being right? And again, when we look at this situation, this scenario, Jesus doesn't approve of her mistakes he just shows up in her mistakes to say I love you there could be a different way you could be living and today I'm going to get past that barrier and I want to show you there's an invitation that could be yours it's a barrier though isn't it it's a barrier come on give us the fifth barrier right here
1: all right uh, the fifth barrier is the religion barrier it's the religion barrier in fact, I love how as Jesus begins to address her greatest issue and he's bringing up these things as he's um, talking about who she is, she immediately tries to divert the conversation, move it away from relationship, back to a, a religious or religion discussion. In fact, look what she does here in John chapter 4, starting in verse 19. She said, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. Here comes a religious argument. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Now pause right there for a moment because that word from is very important. You know, as as we were talking about this passage, um, you know, oftentimes the Jewish people thought that salvation was for the Jews, that it was only for the Jews. But Jesus makes it clear here that salvation comes from the Jews, but it really is for everyone, That's right. not just one group of people, but for everyone. Amen. And in verse 23, um, it goes on to say, Yet a time is coming, Jesus says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain all of this to us. And Jesus said, good news. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He. That's awesome. And you notice he tried to veer this away from a religious conversation or from a relationship conversation that Jesus was building with her. And I don't know if you've ever had that before, talking about this religious barrier. Maybe you're trying to tell someone about inviting the church or telling them what Jesus has done in your life and then try to say, well, is the Bible true? Uh, is Is the earth a couple thousand years old or millions of years old? And they try to push it back into this religious conversation and pull it away from the relationship see, Jesus doesn't avoid that. In fact, he keeps listening to her. In fact, he takes it back to a relationship. And he keeps listening to her and having this conversation with her. And it's really cool if you look at this passage, you actually see the progression in thought as he keeps building this relationship with her. She goes from seeing him as just some guy that wanted some water to seeing him as someone who is now a prophet, okay? He actually knows some stuff. And then when Jesus makes this declaration, he keeps building this relationship rather than a religious argument. He makes this declaration about how he's the Messiah, and we see that he reveals his identity, and then her identity completely changes. And it all comes back down to that relationship. And what she had really been thirsty for, what she had really been longing for, had just been now revealed in its relationship with Jesus.
2: She was finding out that there's freedom. And I think there was this light bulb moment of, oh, my goodness, I can have freedom and soul satisfaction in Jesus, whereas before she was trying to find it with husband after husband. And I think sometimes we might be able to relate to that a little bit, Um, maybe not with husband after husband, but relationship after relationship, or career after career, or approval after approval, addiction after addiction, or more money or more politics. And we try to see if these things can be what satisfies our soul. But truthfully, when we put these things above Jesus, all they do is enslave us. They don't give us that freedom because then we find ourselves that we're always going to the well at noon alone because we're trying to find freedom and satisfaction for our souls in things other than Jesus. And truthfully, these things, they will only earn us temporary satisfaction. They don't give us fulfillment for the long haul like Jesus does because Jesus, the I am, is the source for our entire satisfaction of our soul.
0: That's good. That's good. Listen, when I was thinking about this, the power of this story is not just to understand the five barriers. The power of this story is to see that Jesus overcame these barriers. You see, with this woman, as he began to step into her world, began to step over these barriers, she began to push back, she began to throw more barriers at him, including religion. But when he finally revealed who he was in this moment to her, like Pastor said, uh, and, you know, all of a sudden she's beginning to see who Jesus is, his identity. And in his identity, she begins to see who she is in light of who Jesus is. And in that, as Susan said, it brought freedom that she always longed for, that she thirsted for. When she shared these borders and these barriers to Jesus he didn't argue with her about race he didn't argue with her about religion he didn't argue with her even about geography what did he do he kept pointing back to what the relationship the relationship the relationship and I think that is so key to seeing how Jesus overcame because we're living in a world where we are divided We're living in a world where all we got to do is turn on the news, read the newspaper, and we can feel this fear again. And everything about it makes us want to retreat from people instead of pressing closer to people. But God says, that's not the way you're to live as Christians. There's another way for us to posture our lives and to take steps of faith and to live out this faith thing as we're still here on earth. And so I started thinking about, do we struggle with the exact same barriers that they did thousands of years ago? Or have we added even more barriers? You see, we're good at adding barriers, aren't we? Come on, come on. When I started thinking about that, I started thinking about some of the barriers that are real. You know, every single week, Between Sunday and Sunday, something happens that I pray about and say, God, should we address that Sunday? And if you're not careful, as a pastor, I can feel like I'm chasing an ambulance every Sunday. Because some crisis, some catastrophe, some soundbite comes out in our culture that I just cringe at. And it's like, how do I lead people in this church to love God the most and to be so discipled in the Word of God that we can differentiate among all the noise that we live in so that we can be healthy, we can be strong. And so when some kind of thing happens like this white supremacy that's raised its head again and things like Charlottesville happen, That we'll know as the people of God how to navigate even that barrier that begins to creep back up in our culture. Things like racism, we would know how to engage in a conversation that actually talks and listens in a way where we can actually bring hope to that conversation. Come on, we're living in a world where our culture has changed its mind on a lot of moral things that the Bible has not changed its mind on. So how as Christians do we talk and engage about same-sex marriage, about LGBTQ issues? How do we talk about feminism and how do we engage in those type of things? Come on, how do we talk about immigration issues? How do we talk about globalization? How do we address all of these human things that can become these huge walls and barriers within our culture? How do we navigate it like Jesus navigated it? Because, see, Jesus overcame barriers. And how did he do it? He did it in relationship. Let's just get real clear here because sometimes it's so simple. It's so simple that we miss it. Can we just look at the position that Jesus took on these barriers? Number one, what did he do? He walked to the barrier. I think that's key. He walked to it. He didn't run the other direction. He didn't hide behind the barrier and say there's no way across. No, he overcame it. But he first by by walking to it. Number two, he had a conversation with somebody totally unlike him. Totally opposite him. He engaged in a conversation. And in that conversation, he eventually invited invited. This person to living water. What she ultimately needed. Anyway. Do you see this? Do you understand this? The difference that this made? This is so powerful for me when I see this. Because what happens next is so key. Look at verse 27. Just then. Just then his disciples returned. And they were surprised to see Jesus talking with the woman. But no one asked. What do you want? Why are you talking to her? Then leaving Her water jar, I think that's so huge there, more than just a physical jar being laid down, she is laying down her excuses. She's laying down the excuses that she kept trying to throw at Jesus. She laid them down, and the woman went back to her hometown, and she said to the people, come and see this man who told me everything that I did. Could this be the Messiah? And then they all came out of the town and they made their way toward him. So rich. This woman has not even been in one Bible study. She has not taken one seminary class. All she has is a bad reputation and Jesus. And she goes back and she turns her whole town upside down. Is that not good? Sometimes we disqualify ourselves. I don't know enough. Do you know Jesus? Then you know enough. Is that not powerful? But you know what we often do? We make excuses that we can't. You know who some of the best inviters at Mount Ararat are? It's the people that just met Jesus. You know what? People go through Alpha, and Alpha turns their world upside down. Our best inviters to Mount Aaron are people who went through Alpha, are people that went through Celebrate Recovery and are now found freedom, where they're not carrying that heavy jar anymore, and they lay it down, and guess what they can't help? They can't help talking about, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come see what we have found in Jesus. Is that not true? That's what happens when we begin to experience the change that's possible in Christ, that living water. When we begin to drink from that, oh man, it changes everything. But watch this; it gets even better. Verse thirty-nine it says, "Many of the Samaritans from that town began to believe in Him because of that woman's testimony." I love it. He told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Him, they urged Jesus to stay with them. He stayed two more days, and because of His words many more became believers. And here's what they said to the woman. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard it for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Do you see what John the writer is showing us here? This man that starts off as sir becomes a Jew Then he transitions to a prophet. And then he's referred to as the Messiah, the Christ. And then the great I am. And now after all is said and done, now the Samaritan people along with the 12 disciples see Jesus as the Savior of the world. Is that not powerful? You see, that's what Jesus wants to do through you and me. Can I give you an idea here? Jesus overcomes the barriers... So that you and I, Christians, can step past the barriers. God has called us to be different. But you know what? Some of you are going to push away against this sermon and this talk. And you're going to go back to your lives and your comforts. And you're going to stay stuck. And you're going to give all the excuses of why you can't. And all the excuses of how divided this country is. All the reasons why you're so disappointed. And instead of being what God wants you to be. For us to begin to awaken to this living water and to begin to see that Jesus overcame barriers so that we can step past barriers. But what are we going to do with what we have heard? You see, that's always going to be the tension in every sermon. Is this just going to be religious? Or is this really going to be transformative? Is this going to be about a relationship with him? Hey, church, help me do this. Tell tell Andrew and Susan thanks for being up here with the pastor today you guys are awesome you guys are awesome listen I'm gonna I'm gonna invite our worship team to come back out here I, I think when Susan and Andrew are up here with me I, I'll take the spitting I'll take the the laughing and the miss words because here's what I love they are in love with Jesus and they don't want to be inhibited by barriers they don't want to be inhibited by barriers But when I think about the layers of this sermon today, I'm thinking about how God is saying and speaking to you because we're all in a different place. And I'm wondering what you heard today. I'm wondering what the Holy Spirit put the exclamation point for you today. You see, for all of us today, can we all admit we're thirsty? We're thirsty. And the question is, is what are we using to fill our thirst? Is it going to really satisfy us? You see, there's only one source that really completely satisfies and that's the living water of Jesus Christ. I believe today God maybe brought somebody here today and you've maybe pushed and fought against faith. You've maybe even thrown religion of why you don't follow just like this woman did. But yet today God's breaking through those barriers. He's overcoming those barriers. Why? Because you matter that much. He loves you that much that today he moved mountains so he could reach you. Is that you today? Are you the one? Are you the one that God positioned this service to, to reach and before? You see, for some of us today, it's the barriers though, aren't they? It's the barriers that get in the way. They get in the way of us tr- truly trusting and believing and receiving. It's the barriers. Come on, Christians. They get in the way of us being faithful to the God that that can move mountains. We gotta overcome these barriers. Come on, our country needs Christians to overcome these barriers. They need us, they need us. And the question is, what kind of voice are we gonna be in this conversation? You see, God is calling us to move, to move. To move. When I look here, it's really this simple. Are we going to trust the plan that Jesus gave? What well, is this plan again? Come on, what is it? Are we going to walk to the barrier? Are we going to walk toward the barrier? Are we going to keep hiding behind it? Are we going to run the other direction of it? Is today a day to go walk to that barrier? And not just get there but then actually have a meaningful conversation. Can I give you some coaching? A conversation is talking and listening. It's talking and listening. It's talking and listening. And maybe to get a better sermon here today, isn't it amazing that God made the human body the way he made it? And he gave us two ears and one mouth. I'll let that preach on the way home today. So maybe it's talking and listening and listening. Talking and listening and listening. Because isn't that how we begin to understand what people are really thirsty for? Even when we, don't, when we disagree with their behavior, we disagree with their life choices, can we at least agree to listen so we can speak to the deeper thirst that they're really after? And we can get permission to finally say, I want to invite you to see what I've experienced in Jesus. And can we trust Jesus to save them and in the growing as a disciple can we trust jesus to begin to shine light on the areas that need to change come on church can we trust the plan of jesus can we trust his plans i think this is what for one more is really all about but we can't be for one more if we're not willing to go where jesus is leading us to go come on is this sermon speaking to somebody today are you the one Do you know the one who needs this living water today? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for the way that you are so on time and you're speaking words of truth and words of love and grace to your people. Today, God, here at this Garrisonville campus, you are speaking into the heart of somebody sitting here among us. God, right now over at Courthouse, somebody is sensing the Holy Spirit speaking to their soul right now somebody right now online that's watching today, hadn't watched in a long time, they're watching today and God today you read their mail and you're speaking to the very hurt of their life and God today as you speak like only you speak today can we drink some living water in our hearts, in our lives, in our souls because God I just believe when we begin to get our thirst quenched by you you will give us the right motivation to go out and to be your people here on earth, to bring heaven to earth, to be the church in such a way that changes even right now the divisive culture that we find ourselves in. You see, God, the surprise is not the barriers that we're facing. You're not surprised by these divisions. But God, what you're trying to lead us to do is to join Jesus in overcoming these barriers. So today, God, as your people, we surrender to you. We trust you. God, we lay religion down, and we right now today embrace a simple faith. Because God, that's what this is all about. It's Jesus, you being our Lord. So you lead us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.